Alright, I'm making, making progress as we go through the book of Acts here. Um, we're, we're in chapter 10. So on our, uh, on our outline, today we're going to finish up the section called Peter and the Beginnings of the Church in Palestine. And then we're going to get into Paul's journey. In fact, we're going to do um, two of them. Uh, and get into the third one even. It's um, amazing how fast we're traveling here. <laughs> Alright, so we'll take a look at, at chapter 10. And where does this start? What city does it start us in? Cornelius is, is in Caesarea. Cornelius is in Caesarea. i got a picture of Caesarea. And I'll just mention right now, don't expect this quality for all the pictures today. This is a National Geographic picture. All the others are snapshots. <laughs> um, uh, Caesarea was built by Herod the Great, the same guy that killed all the babies when Jesus was born. And this is a, a Roman aqueduct that he built to bring water in to the city. There's, there's quite a few ruins still there in, in, in Caesarea. Um, and he, he, he built it to be a port city for Israel. They, they really didn't have any good year-round port. And so he put, uh, he, he built an artificial harbor you know, with a, a, uh, breakwater. a breakwater. That's right, a breakwater to protect the, the ships. And so um, all, all the Roman governors made their, uh, their headquarters in Caesarea. Uh, it was just a good. I mean, it was a real Roman city, so they'd be comfortable there, and and their communication with Rome would be much more convenient. And of course, if you're going to ha- be a Roman governor, you're going to have to have some military, and that brings us to Cornelius. What was he in the military? He's a centurion, who was over about how many men? About a hundred men. Yes. So, um, perhaps the equivalent of a sergeant. Uh, in today, uh, what kind of guy was he? Devout. Yeah, devout. He 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 was not a Jew. Uh, he hadn't converted, but he 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 really appreciated the God of Israel, and and he did. He was giving alms to the people, and he was, was praying, I and mean, he was just a very good man. And um, so. We have this ninth hour, which we had the ninth hour back when um, Peter and John were going to the temple in chapter 3. And here he is. This is the Jewish hour of prayer. And, and apparently he was praying and he sees a vision. And he's told to send for who? Yeah, for Simon Peter. Yeah. And on the map here, this is Caesarea. Way down here is Jerusalem. This is Caesarea. Peter is in Joppa. Last time we, we followed him at the end of chapter 9 as he first went to Lydda and then to Joppa. And, and I really think that Luke was putting that story in there primarily to set up for chapter 10, just to get him to Joppa for, uh, for this next story. Um, so he sends, you know, the angel said send for Peter, so he sent for him. Takes a probably a couple of days to walk from Caesarea to Joppa. So um, 
The next day, as they're on the way, actually, they, were, they I think they travel fast. Peter did go in the other direction. Uh, Peter, meanwhile, is having his own experience of visions. And what's he see in a vision? Something like a sheep dropping down with uh, all sorts of unclean creatures. Yeah, all kinds of animals. And obviously unclean because when the voice tells him to get up and kill and eat, it happened to be mealtime. And so, hey, kill and eat. What was his answer? Certainly not. No, I've never eaten anything unclean, unholy or unclean. And the voice said what? Yeah. Well, God is cleansed and all to consider unholy. And so that happened three times and Peter is just puzzling over it and then these guys show up at the gate and the Holy Spirit said in verse 19, Behold, three men are looking for you, but get up, go downstairs and accompany them without misgivings for I have sent them myself. Of course, at this point, Peter doesn't know why he might have misgivings, but I think when he got down to the gate, he realized why and what was the problem. They were Gentiles. <laughs> well, he invited the men. <clears throat> they spent the night. Then in verse 23, he, he, um, he got up with them and, and some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And off they went. So, um, it took on the following day, verse 24, they got to Caesarea. And Cornelius was ready. I guess he figured out when they were going to get there. He'd called a big group in all his relatives, his friends. And as soon as Peter came in, what did Cornelius do? Worship. Yeah, bowed down to worship him. Well, I mean, the angel had said, send for this guy. He's got to be important. So, And what's Peter's answer? Yeah, send him. I too am just a man. Peter's already getting to this point, isn't he? That it's not Jew and Gentile, it's just humans. He's a man. Um, and then he explains in verse 28, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That's what that vision was about. Um, now, you remember back when we were doing the Gospels, we noticed how frequently Jesus would say something that would just be so perplexing. And you know, we read that today and we think, why did you put it that way? Why not make it easier for people to understand? And now here we find the Holy Spirit doing the same thing. <laughs> now, I mean, the Holy Spirit could have just said, Peter, it's okay to see Gentiles now. But He didn't do that. <laughs> he gives them a vision <laughs> and tells them, and the vision doesn't even have Gentiles in it. It just has unclean animals. So Peter's kind of got to work through this. And I don't think things have changed a lot today. I think we're still getting things in somewhat puzzling manners and we have to work through them. Sometimes it takes years even to figure some of these things out. God has has His own way of working. Um, but one one thing you have to say for this way of revealing truth, it really sticks with a person. <laughs> <laughs> Peter had done a lot of thinking. And of course he had two days on the journey. I'm sure he's doing some more thinking on the way. And by, so by the time he arrived, he had it all put together. I don't know whether these guys with him did. 
he, he took these Christians with him from Joppa. Of course, they're Jewish Christians because that's the only kind of Christian there was at the time. So he gets Cornelius to tell him his story. And then he starts preaching his sermon. And his sermon is still on the same subject in verse 34. I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation the man who fears Him and does what is right is welcome to Him. So with that, with that introduction, he starts preaching a sermon. And his sermons, I mean the summary we have here is pretty brief. Verse 38, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed Him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with Him. And then he talks about the resurrection in verse 40. And um, and in verse 42, how he's preaching as a witness. And then in verse 43, of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Well, suddenly, what happens? The Holy Spirit fell upon people. Yeah, the Holy Spirit fell upon all these Gentiles who were listening, and what do they start doing? Speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. And um, in verse 46, they were exalting God, which was the same thing we found in Acts chapter 2, actually, when the apostles got the Holy Spirit. They were speaking in tongues. They were speaking of the great works of God. So, Peter then asks, I'm sure he's asking these guys that came with him, no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? Of course, no one spoke up, and so they got baptized, and, they, and then he stayed with them for a few more days. And then, chapter 11, the apostles and brethren in, in Judea heard what had happened, and, and what's their attitude about it? Yeah, what what were you thinking about, Peter? You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. So, Peter has to tell the whole story. So chapter 11 is just a rehash of chapter 10. He goes through this whole story. A few extra details. Um, Let me see here. Um... Yeah, verse 12. One extra detail is how many brethren went with him. He says, these six brethren also went with me. Now, I assume these are brethren from Joppa, but now here they are in Jerusalem. What are they doing in Jerusalem? Peter needs them to <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Peter brought them back as witnesses, I would guess. Um, so he goes to the story, and basically they're, they're learning the same lesson he learned. They're getting the vision. They're hearing about... What the angel told Cornelius, they're hearing about the Holy Spirit coming upon Cornelius. And so what was their response at the end? They accepted. Yeah. They they glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Now this this now opens the door for the second half of the book, because the second half is all about Peter's journeys. I mean, so Paul's journeys. Because we had Peter. They're about Paul's journeys, and his journeys. Are, although he preaches to to Jews, it's all in Gentile territory, and he gets many more Gentile converts than than Jew. That just would not have happened if the Holy Spirit had not shown them that 
He wants Gentiles to be saved as well as, as Jews. So in verse 19, we now change scenes. Those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen, that goes back to the end of chapter 7, beginning of chapter 8. Saul and all that. They went around speaking the word only to Jews except some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, they came to Antioch and began speaking to Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. So, here's Jerusalem on the map. But there's some, some Jews from Cyprus here and also from... Uh, Cyrene's off the map. Oh yeah, no, there it is. Cyrene right over there. In Libya. Uh, they went to Antioch and they preached to Gentiles. And they, it says in verse 21, a large number who believe turned to the Lord. It will not be very long before Antioch will be the, the bigger of the two churches. Jerusalem has been the biggest up to this point. But Antioch is going to overtake that. Um, but here it's a new work and the, and the word got back to the apostles so they sent... Said who, who up there to Antioch? Barnabas. Barnabas, yeah. And then he wanted to get someone else, so who did he get? Yeah, who was up here in the city of Tarsus. So it wasn't very far to go from Antioch up to Tarsus and get him. And they were there a year and it said a considerable numbers of people were brought into the Lord. And in fact, at the end of verse 26, the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Then we have prophets that came, says came down from Jerusalem on our map. It looks like it's up, but they didn't do north as being up. They did mountains as being up and Jerusalem is in the mountains so they came down from the mountains to Antioch and this prophet named Agabus we're going to have Agabus again at the end of the book he prophesied what was going to happen a big famine a big famine what did the Christians decide to do for who yes now this so this is the first time that money's being sent from Gentiles to to Jews here um, but but Paul's going to spend a, a good part of his preaching ministry encouraging other Gentile churches to do the same thing. And it's going to help um, cement the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. Paul really knows that's a big problem. He really wants to see that dealt with. But before we can get into Paul's journeys, we're back to Jerusalem. And we've got a, a mean king named who? Herod. Herod, yeah. Now, when you read the New Testament, this gets confusing. There's more than one Herod. I think in the, in the New Testament there's at least four different Herods. Um, Herod the Great killed all the babies when Jesus was born. He's the ancestor of all these other Herods. He died a few years B.C., about 6 B.C. Um, his son, Herod, was the one who killed John the Baptist and the one that Jesus refused to talk to at his trial. That, that's Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas's nephew is this guy. This is the grandson of Herod the Great. Um, and by this time, Herod Antipas is out of the scene. Um, this guy hates Herod Antipas and he, he helped... Um, can, he helped explain what he thought of Herod Antipas to 
his good friend, the, the Caesar. <laughs> so uh, now he controls his uncle's territory as well as a bunch of other territory. He, he's a jerk. All the Herods are jerks. And so what did he do at the beginning of chapter 12? Killed the James. Yeah. Here, this is the first what? Close. We had Stephen was the first martyr. First apostle martyr, yes. Yeah, um, James, the brother of John. And um, when he saw that it pleased the Jews, what did he do next? Oh, arrested Peter. Yeah. He was handy. So he's he's just going to go down through the the list here. Well, God has a different plan here. So. Um, the night before he's going to be executed, an angel shows up in the in the uh, prison. Get your clothes on. Get up quickly. And to wake him up, I mean, the guy was sleeping. Yeah. And how he didn't wake the soldiers, I don't know. <laughs> well, Peter Peter thinks what? What's happening? Yeah, he thinks he's seeing a vision. And he keeps following. And I don't know the story behind this picture. There's several of these pictures on the internet. This is this is in Jerusalem. Apostle Peter prison. And I wish I wish I had more information, but apparently that's the the reputed location for the prison. And if this door is of iron, then that would have been the door that um Goes out into the city. Which, what, what, what is special about that door? Yeah, open by itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is precocious door. Um, and of course, he, Peter, when, once he real, once the angel leaves, he realizes what's going on, and, and he's gotten freed. So he goes to whose house? Mary, the mother of John. Yeah, Mary, the mother of John Mark. And um, there were lots of people gathered together and were praying. What were they praying about? <laughs> yeah, of course, this is a, we, every, we all get a big kick out of the story when he, he knocks on the door and the servant girl Rhoda is so excited she doesn't open the door. She goes, hey, Peter's at the door. Oh, no, I couldn't be Peter. <laughs> um, well... Um, Herod, of course, wasn't very happy about this, but there wasn't anything he could do. Peter was out of out of his reach. And then the chapter ends up with the end of Herod. Um, God's judgment on him. I'm not sure how long after this it happens, but uh, Luke is telling it, to, tell, telling it to let us know God judged him. Um, he thinks he can put an end to the church, but God's kingdom is going to be forever. Herod's the one that's going to get put an end to and when he was willing to accept the the adulation that he was of a god and not a man, the angel struck him, and some actually took him several days to die. It was a painful death. Um, it's also recorded by the Jewish historian Josephus. He gives a few other details, but it's much the same thing. So the, the point the point is really in verse twenty four. But the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. Nobody's going to stop this work. Now we come to Paul's first journey. 
We go back to Antioch. And verse 2, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So they fasted, they prayed, they laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And then in verse 4, it wasn't just the church sent them away. Who else sent them away? The Holy Spirit. And so, this is the map of their first, of, of what we call Paul's first journey. From Antioch, he went down to Seleucia, the port city. They took the boat to Cyprus, which happens to be the, the, the place that Barnabas was from. And Barnabas, of course, was part of this group. Uh, Luke doesn't tell us what happened at Salamis. We went to the whole island of Paphos. I've got a picture of Paphos here. Um, and in Paphos, they met who? The yeah, the proconsul Sergius Paulus. And um, Paulus is, a, is an alternate name for um, Saul. In, in English, it comes out Paul, but in Greek, it, it's Paulus. Um, and another guy they met, too. Not so nice. Elamus, also known as Bar Jesus. He was trying to keep the proconsul from believing, and so what happened to him as a result? He didn't see the lights of it. Yeah, same thing happened to him as happened to Saul, except that he doesn't seem to have profited as much from it. Um, the proconsul, though, believed it was a good, good result there. So they, um, from Paphos, they sailed up to Perga. And we don't read about any preaching that happened there, but there was one event that affects later history. What was that? Linda? Yeah, John Mark left them. Yeah, he was in a he was apparently assistant to them. He wasn't he was just a young man, but he was assistant, but he left. Doesn't say why, but later on Paul wasn't very happy about it. Um, they then went on up to Antioch. Now, you may notice there's all the way to Antioch, and somewhere I read that there were dozens of Antiochs in this area because the area used to be ruled by King Antiochus. In fact, there were several Antiochuses, and that, so they would go around naming cities after themselves. But um, these two are the only ones on this map because they're the only ones that figure into our history. Um, this Antioch, I got a picture of that, so. Um, Interesting, interesting to think that Paul and Barnabas might have walked on these very stones there on that street in Antioch. Um, they went into... Where did, where did Paul almost always start his work when he got to one of these towns? Yeah, so he went into the synagogue and, and he was a rabbi, so they, they said, you know, if you have some words of exhortation for the people, you know, say it. And, Matter of fact, he did have some words of expectation to this. <laughs> so he preached a, a sermon somewhat briefer than what we have on record by Stephen, but somewhat similar. It goes back to the history of the Jews. Uh, verse 17, God chose our fathers, made them great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And then he mentions verse 18, the 40 years in the wilderness. And then the period of the judges. Uh, then, then in verse 21, they asked for a king. They got Saul. But then in verse 22, after he'd removed him. And of course, this is just familiar history to them. And you know they're enjoying it. It'd be like 
you know, some politician telling the story of the Revolutionary War, uh, you know, for Americans. He raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Now Paul jumps forward from the descendants of this man, according to promise, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. And so then he tells about Jesus and how he sent for, to, um, for them. Um, in verse 32, And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers, that God has fulfilled this promise to our children, and that He raised up Jesus. And um, he talks about the resurrection, uses the same argument Peter used earlier from the, from the Psalms for that. Um, and verse 39, And through Him everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. So this is very well received. Verse 42, uh, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to the next Sabbath. So the next Sabbath He comes back. Then what happens? Yeah, Matthew. The Jews became jealous when they saw how yeah. the Gentiles become jealous. This, this just seems to be the case all the time. They want it all for themselves. And they're jealous when all these Gentiles are showing up. So they start blaspheming. And Paul says, Paul and Barnabas in verse 46, it was necessary that the Word of God be spoken to you first, since you repudiate it, and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. Now, now watch this, this wordplay that Luke uses. In verse 46, you're judging yourselves unworthy of eternal life. In verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the Word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. <laughs> so on the one hand, you've got people that... <laughs> That they they don't want the eternal life. On the other side, you got people that are just so happy about it. They've been appointed to eternal life. Well, it's not going to stay static for very long. The Jews are not happy about this, so they they started a, a big persecution and kicked Paul and Barnabas out. But the the church has been established. And in verse fifty-two, the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Chapter 14 finishes off this first journey. We have Iconium as the next place. From Antioch, he went over here to Iconium. And... Um, let me see here. Chapter 14. Okay, I don't have a picture of Iconium. Um, and they, they did a good work in Iconium, but um, then the Jews did the same thing and kicked him out again. So in verse 6, they became aware of it and they fled to the cities of Lyconia, Lystra, and Derbe in the surrounding region. So the next story takes place at Lystra. He's also going to go over here to Derbe. Um, and I do have a picture of Lystra. These are the ruins of, of, of Lystra. Um, and at Lystra there was a guy who was lame. Never had been able to walk. What does that remind you of? 
Alright, the, yeah, the man at the pool that Jesus that Jesus healed, yeah, in the book of John. And the guy at the gate in Acts chapter three. Yeah. So um, the guy at the pool I think had walked before. The guy at the gate never had walked before. This guy never had walked before. And Paul said, Stand up on your feet, and he leaped up, and then what? What was the effect on the people? Well, they were certainly impressed. <laughs> yeah, impressed and. Gods. Yeah, they called him gods. Paul is Hermes, Barnabas is Zeus. And um, they're going to worship them. And Bolivar has had a hard time dissuading them from that. You know, we're just men like you. Um, and, uh, and we're, you know, we're here to, to get you to leave this this unfruitful way of life and to worship the true God and all this. And and in verse eighteen, with difficulty they restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. But it doesn't end there. What happens shortly after that? Jews came followed them down the ones from Antioch. Yeah. Jews came over, stirred up the people, and they did what to Paul? Yeah. Yeah. Now they they'd wanted to do that in previous cities, and he had he had gotten wind of it and gotten away. But this time he didn't get away. They stoned him, thought he was dead, dragged his body out of the city, left him for dead. The disciples are all gathered around, and what does he do? Yeah, he just gets up and goes back in the city. <laughs> now, if you were a Christian there in Lystra. What would that tell you about the cost of being a Christian? You, you need it. You want to have this eternal life promise. Uh, <laughs> when does that actually get fulfilled? You'd understand that you know, this is not necessarily an easy life. Um, I wonder whether when those stones were falling down on Paul, whether he was thinking about Stephen. You remember how he's holding the garments for the people that were stoning Stephen? Well, the next day he went on to to Derby. So on to Derby, and then um, started church there. Then he went back to the same cities that where he'd been stoned, or where they tried to stone him. Went to each one and encouraged them. Um, he he did one thing special in verse twenty three. They appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting. And um, oh yes, in verse twenty-two, he, he he told them, "Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God." I think he's shown them that. Wow! So then they finally finished up the journey, went all the way back. Didn't go back to Cyprus, but they took the boat right back to Seleucia, back to Antioch. Reported on on their their journey, and they spent a long time there with the disciples. In chapter 15, they're still in Antioch and some, some Christians come down from Judea and say what? Gentiles have to be circumcised. Yeah, Gentiles are going to have to get circumcised if they, if they want to be saved. Paul and Barnabas had a major debate with these people. And so finally the church decided, you all go back to Jerusalem. That's of course where these guys were sent from or came from. They weren't sent from. They came from there. And get it worked out with the apostles. So they, uh, from Antioch, they journeyed down 
through Phoenicia here, through Samaria, on down to Jerusalem. And they got there and told everyone about the great work the Lord had done among the Gentiles. And immediately, some in verse 5, some of the sect of the Pharisees stood up and said, you've got to circumcise these guys. So they had a meeting. It says that it was the apostles and the elders came together for a meeting. And who was the first to speak that we have record of? Peter, yeah. He wasn't really the first to speak. It says after there had been much debate. So everyone had, I assume everyone had a chance to have their say. But finally, Peter's going to try to help um, settle it. And he went back to the vision he had had and how he, you know, how he had been taught by the Holy Spirit not to make a distinction between Jews and Gentiles. Then in verse 12, Barnabas and Paul spoke. And there, they just told about all the signs God had done among these Gentiles. So that God was obviously putting His stamp of approval on their, their work, and yet they weren't circumcising any of those Gentiles they were converting. Last of all, who spoke? James, yeah. Now obviously this is not James the brother of John because he had been killed. Uh, most likely this is James the brother of Jesus. Uh, Paul refers to him in Galatians 1. Uh, and he, he was one of the leaders in the church. We'll have him again later on in the book. According to Josephus, he was eventually martyred as well. But, but uh, some years after the book of Acts was finished. And he's most likely the one who wrote the book of James. Uh, he, since he says he was a brother of Jude, and we know that Jude was another one of the brothers of Jesus. So he speaks, and um, he quotes from the Old Testament to show how it had been prophesied that Gentiles were going to be brought in like this. And so he says, no, we shouldn't, shouldn't be telling these Gentiles to obey Jewish laws. So in verse 20, he said, we should write to them that they should um, abstain from things contaminated by idols and from fornication and from what is strangled from blood. Um, specific sins that the Gentiles of that era would be especially prone to. Uh, this is not the total list. I mean, obviously there are... I mean, he could have said, you know, and by the way, don't murder and don't steal. All, I mean, but these were things they were prone to do and, and warn them. And in verse 1, for Moses from ancient generations has in every city those who preach him since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Mo, in other words, Moses is not going to get forgotten just because we don't ask the Gentiles to get circumcised. Which I'm sure was a concern they had. So they did. They wrote the letter that he suggested. They took it back up to, to, uh, to Antioch. And then after a while, in verse 36, Paul said to Barnabas, hey, let's go back and visit the churches we visited on our journey. And Barnabas was happy with that. Only one problem, but it was a big one. What was that? Yeah, do we take John Mark or not? Paul says no. Barnabas says yes. In fact, they could not come to an agreement. So they ended up taking, having two separate journeys. Barnabas and Mark and Paul and Silas. Now later on, I just mentioned, later on this gets solved. Um, Paul mentions Mark in, in a couple of his letters later on and he mentions him in very complimentary terms. Mark was actually with him, one of, one of the preachers working with him. So Mark had, had um, he'd cleared his name by, by behaving well after that. Um, so they... Uh, Barnabas went to Cyprus with Mark. and We don't have any record of that journey. 
But Paul and Silas went overland. They went through Cilicia and through, um, well, Syria was the first, Syria and Cilicia. And we don't have any record of that part, just that they did it. Um, in chapter 16, the major city is Philippi. Um, they continue heading west through Galatia. And my guess is this is when he preached and, and established the church of Galatia. But there's no record of it here in, in any kind of detail. Uh, he, but you read the book of Galatians and it's very clear that he started the, that church. So this, this area of Galatia. And then he goes to... Um, he gets back to Lystra and uh, there's a, a disciple named Timothy. He, he, Timothy joins him and his party and stays with him to the end of his life. Uh, he became a preacher. Um, then they're starting to get problems in verse 6. They, um, they've been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia, which is this province here on the west side. Um, they, they wanted to go into Bithynia. They can't do that. They finally end up at Troas. I assume that he started the church in Troas, although it doesn't say anything about it. Um, all it says is that he got a vision there. And what was the vision? A man of Macedonia. Macedonia is a province in Europe. Up to this time, they've been in Asia. It's, it's the northern part of what we would today call call Greece. At least part of it is in, in what we call Greece. Um, and in um, in verse 10 begins one of these unique sections of the book that we have a name for. There's just a few of these. This is the we. This is the we section. <laughs> Not we as in small, but we as in us. <laughs> we sought to go into Macedonia. Who's this we? Luke, yes. So, we first pick up Luke in Troas. Perhaps he was converted by Paul at this point. We, 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 don't, we just don't have his history. He, he, we, we know from one of Paul's letters that he was a physician. He was a doctor. I don't know whether maybe Paul better because he needed some medical help. I have no idea. We, we also know from the style of writing that he was very familiar with ships. And so some people have suggested he might have been a ship's doctor. Um, he, he, I mean, anytime, anytime he's with Paul and they're on the water, he gives us all the details. <laughs> and you find that here. He, he says in verse 11, So putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace and on the day following to Neapolis. So here we are, Troas, Samothrace is an island. They don't even stop there. Um, and then to Neapolis. I mean, you would never get this kind of detail if Luke wasn't there. <laughs> but he just, uh, he obviously loves the sea. But, so they, they end up in Philippi, which is the chief city of the province. Uh, this is a, a, a picture of the ancient Acropolis uh, of Philippi. And, although that's not where he went to preach. He went to the riverside and, and converted a lady named what? Lydia, yeah. Then... I don't know how many more he converted after that, but he ran into a problem. There was a, a girl doing what? Falling around. Yeah. Falling around. She had a demon and um, a spirit of divination, it says. These men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. 
And finally, after a lot, after that went on for a long time, what did Paul finally do? He lost his temper or his spirit. Well, I wouldn't put it quite like that. <laughs> yeah, he was greatly annoyed, but it doesn't say he lost his temper. <laughs> but he cast the spirit out. I think Paul was trying to lose his temper. <laughs> okay, John. He's that kind of guy. <laughs> So the owners of her, she was a slave girl, they get mad. And Paul and Silas pay dearly for this. They get their robes ripped off of them and they're beaten with rods severely. Just as many blows. So the back is just bleeding at this point. Takes them to the jail. Tells the jailer to guard them securely. So he puts them in the inner prison and fastens their feet in the stocks. So here they are. This is that... the the traditional site of that jail. This is done by a, a preacher by the name of David Patrick. He took this picture. Um, I don't know whether I don't know how accurate it is, but it looks like a very old place anyway. <laughs> low. Uh, yeah, pretty low entry. Yeah. There's other pictures that I think maybe maybe they're taken from the backside because there's a picture of a, an arch. But this one looked like the entrance, so I gave you this one. Um, middle of the night, what happens? Earthquake, yeah. Jailer is ready to do what? Because he thinks the prisoners escaped, but Paul assures him, no, they haven't. So then, after he gets light, what's his question? What must I do to be saved? And the answer in verse 1, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. So, he's, they came out, they preached the Word to him. And in verse 33, he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds and immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. Then he gave them food to eat. The next day, the policemen come and say what? Oh, you can go now. Yeah, that's okay, you, you can go. The jailer, I think, thinks that's good news, but Paul says what? Yeah. Yeah, those guys, the magistrates could have gotten in very bad trouble for what they did to Roman citizens there. And um, so Paul insists that the magistrates come and personally bring them out. So they did. They came and they apologized and brought them out. And so then uh, the next day, they went on down the road to Thessalonica. So here, that from Philippi, they, they apparently just went through and Philippos and Apollonia, but they came to Thessalonica and um, preached there. Got another riot going. They had to leave. On to Berea, where the Jews were what? more noble than those in Thessalonica. Instead of getting jealous, instead of starting a riot, they did what? They searched the Scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was true. But unfortunately, they were pretty close to Thessalonica. When the Thessalonica Jews found out about it, they sent a gang over there and got more trouble. So they decided to get him way away. I mean, because if he just goes a few miles down the road each time, this is going to keep following him. So they, they send them all the way to the sea and then apparently went with them to Athens. That's far enough, you know, they're not, the Jews aren't going to be following them. And 
in Athens, this is a picture. I don't know how accurate this is. This is supposed to be what Athens looked like in 120 A.D. Though some of this, some of the architecture to me looks later, but I'm not an expert. Um, but this would have been, if this is accurate, this would have been about 70 years after Paul was there. It was a, it was a fine city. You know, you can see temples, huge temples here, and, and just elegant. I mean, it was really the uh, uh, the the fanciest city in, in all around. Uh, very famous for its um, learning, its philosophy. And in fact, and, and although they, there was a synagogue there and Paul was teaching the synagogue, he did a lot of teaching in the marketplace and some of these philosophers, Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, wanted to hear more. So they took him to where? To the Areopagus, also known as Mars Hill. Right here, that's, that's the Areopagus and it doesn't look like any great shakes. I don't know what it looked like back in those days, but that's that's supposed to be where it is, and that where he went to have his talk with all these learned philosophers. And in this speech, he was dealing strictly with Gentiles, and so he doesn't quote from the Bible. He doesn't quote from the Old Testament. Doesn't talk about the history of the Jews. Um, he has a very clever way that, that he started it out, though. He had been looking at all these different images and altars all around the city, and he managed to find one that was to an unknown God. Perhaps someone had had some great blessing. Maybe he had, he had been in trouble and got rescued, and he didn't know which God, because there's so many, he didn't know which God had rescued him, so he dedicated this to an unknown God. So Paul read that, and, and he says, Ah, so you people know there is a God you don't, un, you don't know. I'll tell you about that God. <laughs> and of course, by the time he's done, that God is the greatest of all gods. In fact, there aren't any others. <laughs> the only God that matters is the one they don't even know. And so he tries to teach them about how we're in his image and we shouldn't think that we can make statues that look like God. He's not like that. And, and then he talks about the resurrection in verse 31. And then what's their reaction to that? Yeah, they kind of thought that was pretty stupid. So that was the end of his speech. But there were some converts. This was not a big church. It's not going to be like the next town, which is Corinth, but he did make some converts there. So this is our last chapter this morning. Paul then goes to Corinth, the last city he spends a lot of time at on his second journey. So from Athens to Corinth, Corinth is kind of like uh, New York City. It was the major commercial center of the southern part of Greece. The southern part of Greece is called Achaia. <clears throat> um, Athens is in Achaia. Athens would, would be um, kind of the, the arts and, and um, uh, philosophy center. But Corinth was the business center. Corinth was on this little narrow strip of land called the Isthmus of Corinth where ships would come in on the one side, they would drag them over to the other side and put them back in the water. And so Corinth was a seaside town um, with a lot of the sinful problems that went with it. So he got there and he found two people that he remained friends with for the rest of his life, Aquila and Priscilla. They'd gotten kicked out of Italy because Claudius the emperor had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. Later on in the book of Romans we find that they're back in, in Rome. They were tent makers, we learned for the 
first, and I think the only time that Paul was a tent maker too, and he moved in with him and was making tents before he got some support from from Philippi, which comes a little bit later. Um, so he again starts with the synagogue. Let me see here. I've got a picture. This is an ancient street in Corinth. I don't know whether Paul ever walked on on these paving stones or not, but he might have. Um, and of course, you know how many problems Paul's had up to this point. So the Lord appears to him here. He says, "Don't be afraid. I've got lots of people in this city. Nobody's going to harm you." So he stays there. How long? Year and six months. Yeah, year and six months. And then problems come up. It says in verse 12, when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia. And interesting enough, they found this inscription. They found this inscription in Delphi, which is a little bit north of Athens. Uh, these letters, that's a G, A, L, L, I, and that's an O. These are Greek letters. That's Gallio. And it's, it's, a, it's an inscription about this guy that they, that they found. So nobody can argue that you know Luke didn't know what he was talking about. They're finding this evidence for him. They they dragged Paul before the judgment seat, and this raised area here—that's the judgment seat that was in uh, in Corinth. They didn't get anywhere at all. Galileo just kicked him out. Said, I'm not going to listen to this. So finally, it says in verse 18, Paul, having remained many days longer, finally took leave of the brethren. From Corinth, he went down to St. Crea, got his hair cut, because he had a vow, sailed over to Ephesus, spoke a little bit in the synagogue. They wanted to stay longer, but he was in a hurry to finish the journey. So he went down to Caesarea on the boat, walked up to Jerusalem, visited the church, came back to Antioch, reported to the brethren of Antioch, and then we immediately get his next journey. This is the map of his third journey as he starts overland. While he's on that journey, we have a, a brief story at the end of the chapter where um, Apollos shows up and Aquila and Priscilla teach him about Jesus. Any last thoughts? Appreciate everyone's help.